How does it make you feel? Being, well, more than other men. Writing wrongs that the law wouldn't or couldn't touch. You mean a super crime fighter? Yes. Welcome to Now Playing's movie retrospective of The Avengers. Some assembly required. There had better be good reason for this. In a few moments, you can decide for yourself if the reason is good enough. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective. These are not the affairs of mortal men. Looking back at the early film adaptations of The Avengers. It's bad medicine. And nobody said the medicine's going to taste any good. But can we afford not to take it? I don't think so. Nick Fury. Score one for the free world. Captain America. Hey, you need me, you got me. You know that. And Doctor Strange. I don't think I'm ready for that. I think you are. Hosted by Arnie. To working alongside a legend such as yourself really promises to be quite a thrill. Jacob. Happens to be the best damn candidate out of 600 volunteers. And Stuart. He was a greater man than most people realized. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. But it is my best medical opinion that you will experience only beneficial results. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Let's go kick some hydro butt. Today we're discussing Doctor Strange. Starring Peter Hooten, Clyde Kusatsu, and Anne-Marie Martin. Directed by Philip DeGare. I'm Arnie, the strangest of the hosts of Now Playing. Steward in L.A., bloody steward in L.A. Arnie, beg for me to destroy you. Stuart, pray to me for death. This is Jacob. <laughs> I'm ready to put on the Iron Maiden albums, bust out some Slayer. <laughs> Let's do this, Doctor Strange. I gotta say, what a surprise you have for me today. Because when we were talking about Marvel... And we had a lot of debate, it should be said, about whether to include TV movies and what TV movies. This one was the hardest one to shoehorn in on you, too. I didn't know when (laughs) you brought it up. I'm like, I don't know what this is. I don't know the character. I don't know when this came to exist. I don't know what it's about. We finally figured out that he at some point had been an Avenger and that it made sense to kind of stick him in this motley crew of, you know, he's no weirder, I suppose, than David Hasselhoff on his (laughs) better day. Red Brown, I mean, it sort of fits here if it fits anywhere. But uh, Jacob, so many questions. What (laughs) is Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange comes out in 1963. He is the Sorcerer Supreme. He was a surgeon, great with his hands, very prideful, gets in an accident. His hands are destroyed, which eventually leads him on a journey to the East. And he learns magic and becomes a sorcerer. And it was a huge hit with like the hippie college kids because it was this wizard going on the dark plains, the Astra fields, really trippy. And people were like, college kids were reading this like, dude. These guys smoke a lot of weed and do a lot of shrooms. This is our kind of comic. You're talking about the comic, not this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the comic. Okay, because they've done a very faithful adaptation. Yeah, like, this was a hit because college kids were doing drugs. And they're like, these people have to be doing drugs to write this kind of stuff. It, it was real trippy in the 60s. In the superhero world, we've talked about this before. There's a tradition of horror comics and that. But by 1963, with the comics code, a lot of that was gone. And now Marvel had this magician, this sorcerer comic book that dealt with black magic and the black arts. 
Exactly. This is a cult, people. This is an occultist superhero. I was stunned that this existed. I mean, yeah, if people had a problem with Harry Potter, you know, a little boy wizard that could make tricks happen. I mean, what the hell would they make of this? Yeah, and I got to say, this is not a character that like, I was always into. Like, talk about the Punisher. Loved him since I first got into comics. Wolverine. Doctor Strange, I didn't get into him until maybe 10 years ago or so. I like the idea of the occult, not in like devil worshiping, but the occult just being about hidden knowledge and things that haven't been explored. You could call WikiLeaks an occult source, all these hidden sources coming to light. And like, I was really just exploring that kind of stuff. And I found out, oh, here's this comic book about that. And on top of that, I don't know if you guys ever watched the TV show, the cartoon, The Venture Brothers, but a, a great riff on pop culture and comic books and 60s and 70s cartoon. And they have this character, Dr. Orpheus, who is a parody of Doctor Strange, and I love that character so much. I'm like, I gotta check out the source material for this character because I love this take, this like black magic magician in like this superhero world. It just seems so weird. It doesn't mesh. Does he have friends in this world? Like, does Spider Man ever hang out? Yeah, he hangs out with the superheroes. The Avengers, they even used his house for a short time as their headquarters. Does Punisher, like, drunk dial Satan on his cell phone? Like, I mean, this guy, like, you say it's not a cult-like satanic, but his symbol is like a pentagram. I mean... No, I said I said it was satanic. Yeah, no, it's definitely going there. And Yeah, I, I love it. Whenever he does, like, his magic tricks, like, he flashes the Metallica heavy metal horns of the devil sign. Like, I love that. <laughs> and what child wouldn't love that? But what parent would allow them to read that comic or watch this TV show? I mean, this Doctor Strange, it should be said, seems to be much like Nick Fury, much like Red Brown, Captain America. This was an attempt to launch a series that never materialized, right? Yeah, this was an attempt to recreate the success of the Hulk. Yeah, it's going to be on CBS. And I have some theories as to what else they were trying to replicate. But yeah, it was CBS's attempt to bring another Marvel superhero to prime time. And they got so far as this pilot movie. Yeah, this seems like a weird choice to try to bring to prime time. And they did this before Captain America. This was coming on at the same time that the Spider-Man show was on. Wonder Woman had been out before. But before we get to Captain America, let's do the devil worshiper superhero. Let's put it on for children. This isn't we're fighting the devil with like Christian symbolism and Christian prayers. This is we are fighting the devil with other forms of black magic. (laughs) Again, if you have a problem with Harry Potter, you're going to have apoplexy watching this movie. And it's not easy to find. Was this ever commercially released? I mean, it's on YouTube. I can tell you that. You gave me some copy in a dark alley, Arnie, but, like, where can anyone find this legitimately? YouTube. Yeah, there's no Blu-ray of this. There's no director's cut. The director isn't, like, sending you his personalized version of this. This (laughs) Yeah, there's no one at Amazon waiting for you to hit that print-on-demand button for this Mm -mm. one. No, this is pretty much forgotten. To be perfectly honest, it wasn't until we started really researching what all has Marvel done that I'm like, they made Doctor Strange? (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, 
I always liked Doctor Strange from a visual level. I've not really read any of his comics. I have read some that he was in. But man, he's got one pimp and colorful suit. And I had the underoos of him when I was five. There were underoos? There were underoos. Did it come with a cape? No, it just had a picture of him on it. But man, he was so colorful. I loved his outfit. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of the Burger King in him. <laughs> this is, hands down, the most obscure thing I think Now Playing has ever done. I really do feel like we won here. Like, <laughs> we'll never find anything less audience available or friendly. I mean, like, people have got to be just wondering what the hell they're listening to here. Arnie, can you help him out with a plot? No. <laughs> I can't, I, but uh, I can tell them what I got out of it. Maybe just hit the highlights. I think that without the brown acid, it would be hard for anybody to process the TV movie, Doctor Strange. But why don't you tell them things that happen in it? <laughs> Doctor Stephen Strange is happy living his life as a womanizing psychology resident, but he is blissfully unaware that a greater destiny awaits him. As a child, his parents realized Stephen had the ability to be a sorcerer, as did the forces of evil. But those evil forces killed Stephen's parents when he was just a boy, so he lived unaware, but always watched over by Thomas Lindemer, the current Sorcerer Supreme that keeps evil forces at bay. But Thomas is growing old and weak, and so a demon tasks Morgan, a woman who pledged her life in service of evil, to kill Thomas. Morgan possesses a young psychology student named Clea and pushes Thomas off a bridge, but Thomas survives and Clea is left with lingering nightmares and a fear that if she goes to sleep, she will die. Clea's worries lead her to be hospitalized and put in the care of Doctor Strange, and Strange is not sure how to help her until Thomas arrives and reveals to Strange his powers and his destiny. And so Strange must travel to the astral plane to save Clea, who did fall asleep and became comatose. But then Strange refuses his destiny to be a sorcerer, so Thomas allows himself to be kidnapped by Morgan, once again calling Doctor Strange to the astral plane, where he confronts Morgan, who tries to seduce the psychology resident. But Strange resists her come-ons and defeats Morgan in a battle of powers of animated beams shooting from their hands. And Strange and Thomas return to our plane, where Strange agrees to be a sorcerer and Thomas passes on the mantle, while the demon punishes Morgan for her failure by making her a very old woman. But just before credits roll, we see a young Morgan on television, perhaps once more plotting revenge against Doctor Strange. And that's not even half of it. You did a very good job of making a cogent analysis of the basic things going on. But let's just put it out there. This thing is all kinds of trippy bats, crazy nuts. <laughs> I mean, Strange doesn't begin to describe. This aired on primetime television for children to watch on September 6th, 1978. It actually didn't air in parts of the country because there were places... That pulled it. That just felt like you're promoting satanic imagery to children, and it didn't even air in all of the country. They're promoting satanic puppetry to children. I mean, come on. This was foolish. I got to concede something to you, Stuart. You know, Artie and I had a lot of fun with Red Brown, Captain America, all the porno, gay porno innuendo and all that. There's something I realized watching this. You know, when you basically have John Holmes casted as Doctor Strange, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> corn doesn't have the reputation it has because it was cheap and dirty. It's because it was made in the 70s and everything in the 70s, I guess, was just cheap and dirty. Like, yes. I finally yes. see what you're saying by watching this film. Yes. He really does have the porn stash to die for and that perm. Yeah. yeah. Peter Hooten. Who? He was in Orca. Which is a Jaws ripoff that came out the year before. It was a killer whale that ate Bo Derek's leg off. I saw it as a child. It was very traumatic. Yes, John Holmes waxwork. That's exactly what he's playing here. And not just in physicality. The character that he's playing. He's rolling in to his shift, you know, making cracks with the nurse that he already banged. <laughs> lipstick on his collar about the other chicks he's going to bang when he gets off of his job. It's a shocker how much they're playing into the swinging 70s disco era here with this character. He needed the gold chain, I just got to say. He gets them. <laughs> it comes later, but they totally pimp him out. This can't be how he comes off in the comic. Stephen Strange in the comic, before he gets in this accident that cripple his hands, I mean, he was a surgeon and known for his hands, but he was very prideful. I don't know, you know, in 1963 in the comics, you could get away with some of the innuendo he's dropping here, you know. They got cheap perfume because I buy that for him. That's how I seduce him with bad perfume. Like, But yeah, he's a womanizer. He, he had a lot of swagger before he had gotten into this accident and lost the way he was able to make his living with his hands. Wow. That's the first thing that jumped out at me. Well, no. The first thing that jumped out at me was the very first image. Because here I am prepared for a Reb Brown, Sweet Wheels, Cruising Along, PCH kind of TV show opening. And instead, I get what is the start of what could only be The Exorcist, the TV series. I got a little Rosemary's Baby myself, but... The atonal music gongs are going off, these weird macabre inscriptions about battle between good and evil. I mean, this is totally Exorcist 2 territory. And Arnie, you're the soundtrack guy. Do you have the soundtrack for this? Because I want it. I do too. I love the soundtrack for this film. Jacob, from the minute that this came on... I was hooked. There's no way you could have pried this movie away from me. Uh, up to this point, I've been kind of kicking and screaming about having to watch some of these Marvel movies. I did not want to see Doctor Strange. I did not want to include it in this retrospective. And three seconds into this, you wouldn't have been able to stop me from watching it. <laughs> well, next time I know, I just need to show you a trailer. But yeah, this soundtrack. Wow. Well, It's incredible. It reminds me of the work... One of my pet projects, one day I'm going to make you guys watch the Three Mothers trilogy by Dario Argento. It's a Italian splatter. He sort of fits in between Hitchcock and the slasher genre. And he made these 70s witch movies that, well, if you like the soundtrack, Jacob, you've got to dig up some Dario Argento soundtracks. There's a German rock band called Goblin, and they make music just like this. That's what this was really reminding of. Obscure as it sounds, I'm totally grooving to the 70s horror rock vibe. It's a great hook. I, I'm totally sold from the get-go of this music. I'm intrigued because... I was also thinking Red Brown, Captain America, the Spider-Man at the time, Incredible Hulk. So when we start off with, yeah, what looks like a barely camouflaged pentagram and this music, I am really wondering what the hell we're going to get. And then we start with Morgan 
praying to a puppet demon. I love this. Yeah. What, what? I love this. You don't like this? I was going with it. I didn't like anything about the demon, though. First of all, the demon's voice. He sounded more like an accountant than a demon. I really was longing back for the golden child and Dr. Claw's voice or something like that. This demon, not all so much. And I kind of like the glowy eyes, but they really should have just had glowy eyes. Anything when you could see the movement was taking me back to, like, Star Trek 1967. I don't know what that demon was supposed to look like. It was very long and phallic and red and, yeah, some glowy eyes, but everything was red, so it kind of merged into the background, but, like, I'm looking for mushrooms at this point. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, this is just crazy. Like, even today, we're like, let's go see this Marvel movie, and it opens up with a witch and a demon hanging out in outer space? <laughs> I don't have drugs in my system at this point, but I'm tripping. Yeah, everything's day glow. It would be like, at school, there was always the guy with the creepy shagging wagon van and you walked by it and you didn't go in it if you actually got into the back of his van and he turned off the light it would probably look like this astral plane because there's day glow moons and all these stars <laughs> and clouds they're clearly cardboard cutouts but the effect is still very very trippy and yeah it is really the 70s at its most perverse and here it is right on television and we're introduced to morgan who is our primary baddie i mean she works for the demon but much like sardo Numspa was the bad guy in golden child not satan morgan is our bad guy in this film later in the movie i started recognizing her voice do either of you know this actress lucille bluth lucille bluth from arrested development yeah. also the chancellor from pcu i've not seen that show but she is the antagonist woman of clint eastwood in play misty for me that's where i knew her from she had already had a rep playing psycho girls when she was playing this part ah so it makes sense that she'd be lucille bluth yes but yeah i've seen arrested development the whole series like at least three times per episode so her voice rang through i never could have imagined she used to be attractive she was hot <laughs> very now morgan lefay does that name mean something to you because it was ringing in my ears and when i googled it it became very very clear Arthurian legend. That's yes. where this character is from. That she was the one that antagonized King Arthur, and she's the one that sired a child out of wedlock with him. And, you know, I was reading more at, about this. There's a whole thing of Arthurian myth being worked in here with the runes and these characters. That explains the Black Knight. Yes. They talk about chess here a lot. She's the queen. There's a knight here. I'm wondering, is the thing that we don't see is that supposed to look like a king chess piece it just looks like a big dick i'll be honest it just looks like a big <laughs> dick with four glowing eyes but maybe it's a king piece i don't know but there's a lot of weird old world imagery going on here and i'm totally grooving on it i just want to say i love it that would make a lot of sense i mean if you go back to king arthur merlin i guess merlin could be a sorcerer which merlin is here thomas lindmere the man that we will find out is mentoring dr strange what's the inversion of lindmere it's de merlin i don't know what you do with the d but it's merlin <laughs> in a d 
And it's not that odd, really, to take Arthurian legend. DC has characters that are derived from these legends. Even Hellboy has ties to King Arthur. And you see the way they play with myth with Wonder Woman and Marvel. They have Hercules, who's an actual superhero. I mean, so that's not uncommon to take these old myths and kind of use them for comic book fodder. Mm. See, I was wondering if that was some way that the writers for the TV show were trying to make sense of a comic book they didn't understand. No, Morgan's straight from the comic book. Oh, interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. But yeah, I kept looking for things in the project from that point on. Once I figured it out, I was trying to think, so is Doctor Strange King Arthur? Is he going to do something great? Is Clea Lake the lady in the lake? I was asking these questions going forward. That was sort of my hook into this weird world. I mean, again, Clea Lake is from the Doctor Strange comics. A little bit different there, but I was surprised how much they took from the comics for this 70s TV show, having just recently watched those Red Brown Captain Americas, where they took nothing from the comics. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Clea Lake becomes the first victim of Morgan. She passes into the realm of our world that she's given a second chance, basically. She screwed up 500 years ago with a devil cult, and this big penis put her on ice, (laughs) and now he's going to give her another shot. Her mission, to me, is a little hazy here. She's either to take out Demerlin, Lindmere, or she's to find Strange and do something with him, convert him. Yeah, if you don't accomplish your first mission, well, here's your secondary mission. They're already setting her up for failure. (laughs) They're already giving her a secondary (laughs) mission if she doesn't do that i choose to look at it as two paths to success <laughs> so why is clea involved in either of these because it ultimately comes for her to be touched by the wings of morgan and become the vessel of her anger at Linmar. my take was that she just chose someone at random to possess to get to Linmer. Linmer's going to recognize if Morgan walks up, so he's going to use, you know, a hot, sexy blonde instead of a hot, sexy brunette. But Morgan did walk up. Yes, but then she disappears, and the blonde walks up and is the one who attacks him. Ah. To some killer music. I just got to say, once again, you got this synth, funk, psychedelic music. Man, I love that when Clea's walking up to Linmer, and you don't know what's going to happen. It's just this blaring, awesome music. But how can it be that she pushes him off the bridge and he's perfectly fine? He's magic. He's not perfectly fine. But from a plot standpoint, shouldn't this be where he dies and evil can reign supreme and now Doctor Strange must step up? I thought he was dead. Yeah, I did too. The scene is ultra creepy. I gotta say, yeah, this chick walks up, pushes the old man off the bridge. We see it multiple times from different angles. They do some very good stunt work here. He tumbles over the precipice of the walking bridge into a street, is laying there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like something you'd expect to see out of The Omen. My reference here at this point, these are horror movie imagery. They're really making Exorcist the series. I can't believe it, but that's what I'm watching. (laughs) But no, he gets up with a limp and he has magical glowing hands and he takes care of it. But for a second there, I really think that we just watched one of the major characters commit murder against her will. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the place you go. You kill the Sorcerer Supreme off early, and then the rest of the film is about the new guy taking up the mantle. So I was surprised when he stands up and walks away. But of course, he hasn't gotten to Strange yet. I I think part of the mistake here is that they take 30, almost 40 minutes for Linmer and his assistant Wong to finally get a hold of Strange and tell him, hey, by the way, you got this destiny 
and someone's trying to kill you or something. And I put this to television pacing. You know, when I was watching this, I was really wanting things to happen a little bit faster, but taking this as a television pilot, and this is him, you know, becoming Doctor Strange, who will then go week to week defeating the forces of evil, we had to set him up in a believable way. I was surprised to see him as a psychiatrist, because as Jacob said, he's a surgeon, and a surgeon who loses the ability to use his hands, so he's forced to become something else. So when he's a psychiatrist, I'm like, well, is he going to lose the ability to show ink blots? What's going to happen to him to force him down this path? But no, they don't go that way at all, and instead we just get to see him be a womanizer, and they take this Clea as a organic way to introduce the madness into his clinical world. You know, I'm not a fan of those shows like House or Bones, but I totally like just the strange stuff. Like when he's just walking around the hospital, hitting on women, like he's sitting down with the drunk and saying, yeah, you know, why don't you get in the bed here for the night so you don't go home and drink and damage your liver? Like I would watch a, a medical show called Strange. Again, like I said during Red Brown's Captain America, totally different health insurance time. Yes. <laughs> you look tired. Let's just get you a hospital bed for the night. <laughs> I think these scenes are here to make him look benevolent. Because truly, if you want to engage our sympathies, a psych ward was not it at this point. Although the field of psychology was taking off and people were starting to see shrinks in mass, culturally, the last time people had spent time in that was one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And I definitely get that vibe later on. Even the head nurse is kind of a nurse ratchet here. I mean, they're always grousing that he's late for his staff meetings and they're implementing drugs against people's will. They're like, this is the standard. They wake up and we drug them. You know, why is she complaining? Because Clea ends up, you know, she's brought in as a Jane Doe and she becomes one of more patient on this very sad wing. It's one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but we need to know that this strange guy, he's cool. He doesn't prescribe medicine when they don't want it. And yeah, he lets the drunk dry out on the hospital's dime. And I gotta say, I kind of like this guy. You know, having grown up in the 70s, he looks like some people I knew. And I grew up in a medical community. Yeah, I'm actually digging this hero. He's awfully sleazy, though. And that's why I'm digging him. (laughs) Hey, come on. I mean, when we get to Iron Man, this is going to come up again. But there's a certain charm to that. We like that. I mean, we growing up with James Bond movies. That's something that's appealing. A little bit of sleaze, but you kind of like that, too. You kind of wish you could get away with it. It's one thing to be a swinging bachelor. It's another to co-workers. You know what I mean? Like, Sarah is a former fling. What does he say to her? She's wearing the cheap perfume he gave her. The guy's a lech. But you're right. It is borderline offensive, but there is something kind of bemusing about it. He seems harmless at the end of the day. But my God, a long time happens with nothing. (laughs) Several commercial Yes. At this point, were this a network TV pilot, I would turn it off. How? How could you possibly turn this off? This is the weirdest thing that's been on TV ever. Because they'd be trying to tell me that the it gets ring around the collar and my whole wash clean and I'd be channel flipping. We talk about black magic with this movie. It's put a spell on me. Like, I'm gripped. Just how trippy it is. You see Clea and Strange and they're all dreaming and their dreams are merging. And just these very artistic layers of color flash before me. And it just, you know, it's like the hypnotode on Futurama. I just, I can't take my eyes away. There's something intriguing about it that's drawing me in. And I'm going back to Exorcist 2 and being like, 
where's Pazuzu? Because this is like, yeah, another crazy psych wing where, yeah, people are touched by evil and are doing crazy, trippy things. And there is a power here. I mean, it's absurd and ridiculous. And on one hand, I can recognize that this is very, very bad. But there's something deeper and more core and primal that I'm getting out of this that is irresistible. Wow. We're back in Exorcist 2, Stuart, because I'm not getting anything out of this. Really, there's nothing here that is engaging. Arnie, there's nothing about this that is dull. That is a ridiculous comment. There is 40 minutes of dullness. Even when it's quote-unquote action-y, when a woman's getting possessed and pushes him off a bridge, it's so brief. And then it's back to Doctor Strange helping the drunks and Doctor Strange, you know, looking in Clea's ears. And they even have a freaking medical staff meeting. I love that. And this is like a cool version of Patch <laughs> Adams with the bad doctor. We, we only have two beds open. You gave one of them to the drunk. It's this weird mixture of like doldrum, everyday bureaucratic life and black magic. We have not gotten enough black magic at this point for my taste. Ernie, how much more could you stand? Oh, come on. The music, the demons. I'm loving it. This is the weirdest thing that's ever been on TV at this point. I dare say you cannot find a show earlier that is more out there and just borderline nuts than this. This would be the most alarming thing you could think of to put on TV in 1978. I can imagine being bored by this. I was trying to go with it. I really was. I liked Strange. But I just wanted more escalation. I wanted more sense of danger. We have this demonic phallus, and all he's really after is the old man. And the old man and Strange finally come together. But then it hits me. It hits me what I am watching when the old man and Steven meet up. I'm watching Star Wars The Black Magic Edition. Yes! Doctor Strange is Luke Skywalker... And the old man is Obi-Wan Kenobi doing the this is not the droid you're looking for trick over and over and Uh over. This is why you got Doctor Strange. Why black magic? The force. Yeah, when Lindemar's describing magic and everything, like it's the total speech of what the force is from Star Wars and New Hope. It's, yeah, at this point now, it's total Star Wars. And Strange's parents are dead, but his father left him a magical item, a lightsaber or a ring. It really strikes me hard that this is why Doctor Strange got made instead of anything else is because Star Wars became the number one movie and they're like, what superhero do we have that can use the force? Sure, but the logical progression there is you set a show in space, like Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, Space 1999. You put it in space. I hear what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. Star Wars is a model. I also think Exorcist is a model. You know, this was the same year that Exorcist 2 was coming. There would have been some anticipation. The sourness over that franchise had not quite set in yet when they would have been making this pilot. They would want to capitalize on, yeah, the Omen, Exorcist, all of this horror stuff, too. It's two for one, and what a weird combo. What a very strange hybrid, indeed. But Star Wars influence is undeniable, particularly when we get into the magic battles, which are lightsaber battles without swords. I mean, the way that they wave their hands, yeah, straight up, it's a lightsaber battle. These were the things that actually caused the program to go over budget, too. This show ended up being several hundred thousand dollars more than they wanted to spend, and they had to shoot more. It was this post-production work. It's ultimately what they claim, or at least some people claim, why they didn't greenlight it as a series, was it was just too 
expensive in 1978 to make a show built around these kinds of battles. Yeah, I wish there was more money for this because this movie is going to get some gimmies because it's 70s, it's TV. These special effects, these are not George Lucas Star Wars special effects, but it's ambitious. And there's some scenes that I like when Strange first goes on the astral plane. Like they do this backward shot from inside his head and like this, just this weird colorful eyehole view like it's real trippy and i like some of this stuff but the action's also going to hurt a bit because these special effects aren't the greatest but they're making a weakness of a positive uh, even though on one hand i recognize cheap on the other hand i really feel like it's working for me i'm grooving on the aesthetic yeah, like, they introduced this black demon on a horse. Like, obviously, it's a guy with, like, a football helmet in the dark on a horse. <laughs> but, like, in my mind, because the way it's shot, because it is so dark, because of the atmosphere and the tone, I was able to imagine something really cool. So, like, this movie was taking me literally to another plane as I was watching this film. It's so underexposed. I mean, I think part of the problem is that they haven't taken good care of this print and so it hasn't transferred well into the YouTube and bootleg quality, but it's also just such a dark image that I think it helps these cheap effects. I think the effects look better because we can't, we're struggling to see them. The effect that really weirded me out, the one that I thought was really cool, was later when Morgan impersonates a black cat and ends up in the study of Lindmer, and they have this like transformation thing where it grows into her, that really weirded me out. That one was cool. I was actually surprised that they had such a good effect in 1978 television. No, it, yeah, it grows into her and she's got the glowing yellow cat eyes. I totally dug it. I feel like they could have made it work on this budget, but the problem is they wouldn't have had this budget for a weekly series. This was the money grab. This was the big opening. It would have only looked worse from here. And so knowing that we weren't even going to get these kind of cheesy lightsaber magic battles and all in the future because they couldn't afford them. I'm not sure how it would have sustained as a series, but for what they have now, they're taking weaknesses and making strengths out of them. And they have good people here. I mean, the art director came from Mary Poppins and Disney, and the set decorator, he made Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, though, guys. I think you're giving this a lot more than I'm able to, and I really wanted to like this. I really wanted this to be an undiscovered gem, but again, maybe we're just back at the Exorcist 1 conversation, Stuart, but... I'm just not feeling engaged. And yeah, when they go to the astral plane and he goes to rescue Clea, at first I'm like, wow, that's a cool effect. But then it never stops. He never gets anywhere. It's just like they're floating through this various montage. I almost expect Clea to go, can you read my mind? <laughs> and hell, I don't know. Maybe he can. <laughs> I'll admit the story is not that great. And, and some of that is just conventions of 70s TV. And some of it is I don't think they understood this property. I don't think they knew how to make a series out of it. So it certainly isn't Hulk. It certainly isn't Captain America. There's no Spider-Man or Wonder Woman in this. He's not a superhero. I mean, at no point do I feel like what this guy is becoming when he's going through these trippy escapades is a superhero journey. It doesn't feel like a hero's journey to me. It feels like a horror movie. But it absolutely is. It's absolutely a hero's journey because if you look at the whole Joseph Campbell thing, he does the Luke Skywalker. He's living his normal life, unaware. He has this legacy item. He has this destiny. He's told of his destiny. He refuses his destiny, you know, the refusal of the call. Yeah, he's a man of science. He doesn't believe that there is magic, yes. And then 
when someone is put in danger, first Clea and then Thomas is taken to the astral plane next as Morgan's hostage, then he must rise. It is the classical Campbellian hero's journey. It might be the classic Campbellian journey. Fine. Most movies are, especially action superhero movies. But what if that hero is Lucifer, the devil? Like, here is his rise to accept his call into magic and the dark art. That's the spin that this movie has that gives it a different edge, a fresher edge. And Stuart, you're not wrong to assume that this doesn't feel like a superhero movie. Joe Quesada, the current editor-in-chief at Marvel, hates these magic users in these superhero universes because he's like, well, they could just click their fingers and fix everything. He really doesn't like magic mixing with superheroes. Mm. Well, it's a strange mix. I'm wondering, is it part of the hero's journey that when somebody offers you something, you say, I'd love a hot bath? <laughs> I mean, this kid, when, when he finally goes, like, after he renounces his calling and tells Linmer, I don't want any of your wizardry ways, he goes to go bang Clea back at her apartment. <laughs> She's like, can I get you something? He's like, I'd love a hot bath. I gasped. I was like, he did that. Yes. He yes. did that. She's like, would you settle for a cold beer? I'm like, wow. Well, this was pretty damn racy. I'm going to use that line, though. I'm, I'm keeping that line. <laughs> it's something. This is way too racy when I think about the little kids that would be watching. They wouldn't even get it. But I can't imagine what they would make of it. I think it would be very upsetting for a child to watch this. Keep in mind, though, The Hulk was more an all-ages show than just a kiddie show. You know, it was hitting adults, too. You don't become a hit show if your only audience is the kindergarten set. Okay. Well, you're probably right. I guess I'll re-experience that when we get to Hulk in a few weeks. Meanwhile, true to her destiny, Morgan keeps screwing up. She's, <laughs> she's threatened looking like an old crone if she can't pull it together. The phallus is going to take away her beauty. I find it really interesting that he asks, why have you not killed Strange? Well, I'm a woman. I have <laughs> desires. I have needs. I love that. I love, like, it comes out of nowhere. Like, this demon's like, why'd you go so easy on him? I'm like, really? He, she was going easy? Like, I didn't get that. But then she's like, oh, he's cute. Like, Not only that, but she's talking to a giant penis. <laughs> I'm like, what more man could you want? He's like, don't you want to serve me? She's like, no, I want the arms of a man. I'm like, ooh, diss on you, Satan. <laughs> That's why he's like, I'm going to leave you, quote, cold and barren. I'm like, ooh, barren. Damn. I wasn't thinking that after 500 years she was thinking about kids, but damn. <laughs> well, you know, some people like to wait till latter years. <laughs> <laughs> she's a working professional. It's the 70s, you know? Yeah, I get it. You go, girl. But yeah, I mean, really, before he had the magic power to shoot beams from his hands, I think he had, like, Austin Powers' mojo. That was his sorcerer's power, was all these women. It's like, honestly, I was getting a Ron Burgundy kind of thing, you know? Men want to be him. Women want to be with him. Yeah, I guess. It's when Clea is discharged, you know, after they realize that she's not crazy and she's taken off the wing, she's still hanging out, playing pool, waiting for him, making passes, saying, maybe you can help me with my psych homework. I mean, yeah, they're just falling all over for him. The magnetism is, is it magical? I think that's what a 70s stud looks like, and we just don't recognize it 30 years later. Okay, that's what I'm wondering. You know what's magical is that mustache, and that's what brought the ladies in. <laughs> I do feel like the stash is part of the way there, but then when Morgan comes back to do her thing, you know, she, I think, pseudo-kills Wong, she puts Linmer in the astral plane, and she comes to Clea and him during their date. 
she completes it. At this point, all he needs is a Colt 45. I hope that's the cold beer that Clea is getting him because he's got gold chains. He's got a pimp daddy suit. He's ready for it. He is total pimp. I could not believe the scene. Like, it's straight up, yeah, here's some jewels. I'll give you money. I'll give you power. It's like this lady's totally trying to get him. Like, here's a pimp suit. Here's all the power from Satan. I want to be seduced this way. Yeah, give me some jewels. Give me some satanic powers, and you can do whatever you want to me. Yeah, and she's there in this trapeze artist outfit. At one point, the camera's framed as such. She goes down. Like, she yes! kneels down before him. I was like, holy I'm covering eyes of children that aren't even there watching with me. I'm covering my own eyes. I cannot believe this is on TV. But nope, she just goes and lies down in her bed. Still, woo, her lips are cold, but her (laughs) actions are red hot. And all he's got to do to lay down with her is take off the ring. Now, was this a thing? I'm trying to think with thinking back to Arthurian legend. Was this something about like, give me the sword or perhaps it's even biblical with Samson and Delilah where he has to just cut the hair and she'll sleep with them if he cuts the hair, which is the source of his power. Mm -hmm. There's probably other myths out there. The one that comes to my mind is the biblical one. Right. Her power is in her beauty and her seduction. I mean, it's a very classic, I suppose, stereotypical view. But nevertheless, when he rejects it, we find out this is all part of Lindbergh's plan? That this is what he'd been counting on all along? This ending gets confusing. Yeah, Lindmer says that he allowed himself to be captured, you know, knowing that Strange would do the right thing. Why would he think that Strange wouldn't bonk her? <laughs> Because he knew Strange as a baby and Strange as better people? I don't know. No, there's nothing in this man's action. I thought he was going to go for the drunk Mrs. Sullivan. I mean, when he offered her a bed. I'm like, this guy <laughs> doesn't seem to have too many qualms about getting a piece. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, if hot trapeze artist woman wants to lie down with him, if I were Lindmer, the smart money is not on him keeping the ring on. I think he can't take it off is the funny thing, because earlier in Lindmer's house, he tries taking it off and it's stuck. And uh, honestly, it looks so like, honestly, the actor is trying to make it look stuck. And all I could think of is if the ring don't fit, you must have quit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lightsaber battles ensue and she's screaming, I'm Ishtar, bloody, bloody Ishtar. <laughs> Which makes me think only of the movie. <laughs> How could it not? I mean, it's so funny. Yeah, it's it, quite a campy thing. And you're right. It's supposed to be the big battle, but it feels lifeless and strange and, and doesn't feel like an action scene at all. It, and strange just suddenly has the power, you know? It's yeah. like, you know, I know I'm referencing things that came later, but it's like he got the glow from The Last Dragon. All of a sudden, he's shooting yellow, she's shooting blue. I mean, they drop a line that he has these latent powers, and when they use the word latent, I could just go back to Red Brown and his flag and all his latent abilities. <laughs> I don't know. That's what you do in this kind of hero's journey. You discover the power inside and that you really are strong, and you had it there all along. Yep, he has the touch. Right, and in this case, it's said early by Linmer. That it, they're monastic arts, that all this sorcery, science, whatever you want to call it, it's monastic. Which leads me to my big, big question here. At the end, after, you know, he's casted out the hot woman and is ready to accept Lindmer's destiny, even though he doesn't understand it, he's going to be a disciple. 
he's told he's going to become more than a man. I'm going to read some of this because I wrote it down. More than the man and renounce such earthly pleasures as are given to men who are only mortal. The pleasure of ignorance or offspring or easy death. Did he just give away his dick? No, he's going to be able to bang as many women as he wants and not have to pay child support. It's birth control, man. I didn't even take it as that. I took it as the same as easy death. It's not like it becomes a biological imperative that your death will suck. It's your job now is this. You know, we were joking earlier about Morgan waiting for kids. His life will be devoted to being the sorcerer. He will not have time for children. He will not have time for family. Basically, he's still a physician. Okay, because, you know, he has one question in this. He says, will I be asked to give up even love? And the answer he gets is the universe's love that you shall have. I mean, to me, that sounds like a coy way of saying, well, you're not going to get any, right? This was a 70s TV show. Much like we said with Red Brown at the end of Captain America 2, Death Too Soon, if this had been a series, Stephen Strange would have had a new strange woman in his bed every week. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll have to go with on that. But this exchange feels very strange, and I don't think I have ever seen in movies on TV or in film a man renounce his libido as a way of fulfilling his destiny. No, come on. He's going to get a purple <laughs> jumpsuit. He's not renouncing <laughs> any libido. With the exception of Christ. That's the only character that I can think of where they're renouncing their sex drive to become more than a man. You know what I'm going to put this on, though? Honestly, more than I think any other movie we are seeing the entire Marvel retrospective, I think this one has the most input from Stan Lee. And Stan Lee was a consultant on this film, an active consultant. And this is the type of verbiage he would put in. But he'd never mean it, you know? (laughs) He would add all of this grandiose-sounding things. But it wouldn't necessarily have an impact, especially in any way that would make a person unrelatable to the audience. Wong may never get the girl. But Doctor Strange, yeah, he's going to land him. I'm not even sure Wong wants the girl. He's perfectly happy serving Lindmer if he's calling the master. Well, by the end, Strange is calling Lindmer master, which is, of course, another big thing of the, of the journey is I would never call anyone that. Yes, master. You know, it's giving up his pride, I guess. Hmm. He's a child with a loaded gun, as it's described. <laughs> And so he returns to his life as a physician, more than a man, yet still on a date with Clea. He's still like, she has had amnesia, she's forgotten everything, and so he's going to try and, you know, use the same lines even. He's like, what do you study? I'm like, you already know she's a psych student. He's got to get that hot bath, come on, man. (laughs) He's had the cold beer, now it's time for the hot bath. It's like Groundhog Day, you already played this out. (laughs) She doesn't remember it, but you know. What are you playing here? He's a sorcerer. Can't he just read her mind anyway? I don't know. And like I said, I thought he gave away his erection anyway. I'm like, where is this going to (laughs) go? But they pass by a bank of TVs in the window, and we get one more shot of Morgan, who had given up or had had her beauty taken away from her, but is now with a bunch of young people promoting self-help. (laughs) <laughs> the LaFay method, unlocking hidden potential within you. What do you make of this? Is she the reoccurring villain of the series? Is each week she going to be getting new kids to suck their youth out and send them as monsters at Strange? That was the only thing I could think of watching this. Come on. I mean, she was that whole new age thing that was taking place in the 70s. 
Oh, sure. I love that. Like, this is what's so strange about <laughs> this film is that how do you tell a story that is anti-satanic or anti-evil, but your hero's using the dark arts? Like, it's so weird. It's like, here's this cult of New Agers that are really evil and satanic. So we're going to throw more black magic at it. It's like this really weird conflict that they're trying to tell here. I don't know what to make of it. I take it as this. Again, I grew up watching this kind of television. But what I saw was that she will be a recurring evil, but not an every week evil. She's the sweeps evil. And she will be recruiting her army of dark arts youth that seems right in fact in the credits in the opening credits she's listed as the guest star so i think you're right she would be reoccurring but there would be other demons coming back that the penis would be sending each week (laughs) strange would face new things so it's not always going to be la fay but i did wonder what her relationship was with these brainwashed youth and yeah it's a battle of the mind it's conventional psychiatry versus cult logic it's not at all what i expected but yeah has really right potential i would really have liked to have seen where they would go with this crazy idea and if you think about it as a storytelling engine, as a way for Strange to encounter new people influenced by black magic each week, the hospital's the perfect place, right? Because people are brought in for psychiatric disturbances and only Strange can see, oh, they're not crazy. There's dark arts. I w- could only hope that Linda Blair would be on a special ep- sweeps episode. Tap dancing. <laughs> Is it too much to ask? <laughs> Well, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Doctor Strange, Jacob? So you got to approach this. We've said this with all these TV movies. You got to approach them a little, a little differently. So is the acting fantastic in here? It's on par with television. I really enjoyed Stephen Strange. I got that Tony Stark vibe from him. The player, he had some charisma. We've talked, you know, with these Captain America films, how they were all lacking charisma. Finally, we have a protagonist here that you're excited to watch. He's got some presence on the screen. You know, the special effects, for the time, I don't even know how great they were. And this isn't a perfect story. I felt the end of this kind of lagged, probably because the climax wasn't the most action-packed. It was, you know, people throwing colored paint at each other. (laughs) But here's the thing. I get to the end of this TV pilot, and I want more. I want the next episode. And I never felt that with Captain America, Red Brown's Captain America. I didn't want any more. I didn't want to go to that second film after the first one. Here, I want my second episode. I want to see this story about a guy working in a psych ward who also fights demons with black magic. I was really hooked into this. There's those elements I like, the satanic imagery, the weird, you know, I felt like if I looked at a bunch of 70s heavy metal album covers, I could probably piece uh, the storyboards for this tv show together like i like the music it's got some style to it and so yeah i'm gonna recommend this because like i said at the end of the day i want the second episode there was something that hooked me in there and wanted me to have more so yes recommended Stewart. this episode has done something that no marvel movie has done for me ever it has made me want to read the comic. <laughs> I seriously want to understand this character. I'm completely fascinated that he exists, that this was sold to children, that they thought that they could turn this into a Star Wars exorcist show. It's mind-blowing to me. And yeah, this movie is not good in the conventional sense. As we've already discussed, its plot is barely there. It exists basically as a series of bizarre, 
bizarre, trippy, psychedelic imagery while setting up characters that will presumably do more in future episodes. But TV doesn't have to be good. I, I have a different standard for TV than I would for movies. TV isn't meant to be great. It's meant to be compulsively watchable. And this is certainly that. I would definitely turn into the series. I would definitely read this character. Give me some recommendations, Jacob. I want to read this comic. I'm totally hooked. It's a recommend. The first since first class in the Marvel series. Recommend for Doctor Strange. How strange is that? That is the strangest. I would not have thought, honestly, in this entire Marvel Avengers Some Assembly Required section of our retrospective that you would give a recommend to any of it, Stuart. I am floored. I know. Uh, no more so than I am. I think that there is some dancing red penis somewhere <laughs> that has possessed you <laughs> to make you say these things. <laughs> and now you will be left barren and old. <laughs> Perhaps, but what a great way to end this. You know, we started at the bottom, Hasselhoff, and we get to a recommend. I'm always happy to be pleasantly surprised like this, and it was. You know who else is going to be surprised is the listener who goes to the archives and sees this show gets two arrows up and one arrow down. Aww. And they think they know who's given the two arrows up. They think <laughs> Jacob and I have given it two arrows up. You're embarrassed that I'm putting this on your record. They're like the casual person is going to think I recommended this. Come on, are you really an arrows down? I got to give this an arrows down. It didn't hold my interest. It really didn't. I wanted to like it so much. And I will say the opening imagery, I was like, wow, this really could be something. And you know what? I took a big swig of 70s salt. Because I'm like, all right, I got to go back to The Exorcist. I got to go back to Rosemary's Baby. All these 70s classics that I don't enjoy but can respect. But this thing just dragged on. And when it finally got to where it needed to be for me, the action-y climax, Doctor Strange finally out of the hospital and into the astral, it became... Yeah, psychedelic, but not enjoyable. Now, if you were passing me a bong and I was taking some good hits and you were paying for the weed, maybe I'd have a much better time. But I was sober and I checked the clock. When I check a clock to see how much more I have to endure, it's an instant not recommend. I know when I do that, that I can't recommend it. And no, this had a lot of things going for it. But if it was on TV, I would have turned it off on a commercial break. If this was a series and I'd made it through this pilot episode, man, there would have to be a whole lot of people saying it gets better for me to tune into episode two because it just didn't have anything here to hook me. I like the concepts, but I don't like the show. So no, not recommend. Well, I can't oversell this. I hear what you're saying. It's not a great movie, and maybe that's my disappointment, is I wish this were a movie. And it could be one day. This project has been in the works for quite some time to do the big Hollywood version of it. They worked through all their major characters. Daredevil's gotten his movie. Hell, Electra's had his movie. They're trying to get Strange's own movie, too. The, the most exciting name I've seen attached to the project is Guillermo del Toro. I don't think he's still involved, but man, his sensibilities would be perfect. He didn't need to do Blade 2. He needed to make Doctor Strange. This is right up his alley. And you know, if they get it made, maybe this Doctor Strange will get its DVD release like the Captain America stuff does. <laughs> 
<laughs> people can finally see it before listening to this podcast. Yeah, that might be nice. But uh, I'm definitely on board. I'd love for them to do the big budget treatment as long as they keep the strangeness of it. I would hate to see them make this more conventional. And I could see them turning him into a magician or something, you know, like the idea of just making him a sexy David Copperfield that makes stuff fly around or a pubescent Harry Potter. I, I feel like that unfortunately might be tempting given the success of the Harry Potter series. They might want to just say, here's his adult years. But yeah, no, I, you want a Harry Potter that actually is satanic. Like that's yes. how you want, you know, not one that offended certain people just because it was ooh magic, but one that really does kind of make you uncomfortable where he's willing to go to get his powers. I feel like you don't want to get away from this 60s, 70s vibe. Yeah, you need the trippy funk synthesized music and some yeah. satanic imagery. Like, seriously, I, I'm not doing that to tick off anyone with certain religious beliefs but like that is core to the character like that's what you need to go with like you need to push those boundaries of like hey black magic might be a good thing here's why here's your doctor like you have to push it with doctor strange here's the thing is this character i've seen him in animation i've played him in video games i've now seen this jacob if you recommend some comics to Stuart that show why doctor strange is a good character i would love to read him because i own a doctor strange action figure because i think the comic book character looks really cool but i've never been able to get into him and his fights with doramu and his wong and his astral plane it has never once clicked for me and usually if i'm reading a spider-man comic and i'm reading through a series as the one with dr strange is like ah crap it's strange again so i'd love to see the appeal of this character i don't and perhaps that's part of the reason why this didn't click with me either is just it's never hit me the physician who became a master of the dark arts i understand that it could be really cool and satanic i think we get that next week with ghost rider where we have a superhero who literally sells his soul to satan those were the comic books i read where yeah you had satan and going around and making deals and making the hero the agent of Satan. That, to me, was the type of dark arts I wanted. Doctor Strange never delivered. Oh, yes, Ghost Rider. I've definitely been eagerly awaiting revisiting this movie. I'll explain why I even saw it next week. <laughs> I'm shocked that you've actually seen this. <laughs> it was against my will, and there's a story there. I'm just excited where this one may be going. We're going to have to get through some bad Nicolas Cage to get there, but I'm excited where this might be going. And we're actually going to the movie theaters. There is a new Ghost Rider movie. Yes, we're turning off the TV and going to the theaters finally. Yeah, in 3D, no less. I'm cranked for it. That's all I can say. Oh, yes. Yes. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me for the Avengers and after Ghost Rider. We will return to our Avengers series by looking at the Hulk with his four TV movies, and then Ang Lee's Hulk, and then finally the Avengers assemble in Marvel Comics with Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and the mother bleeping Avengers. It's been a long journey. We're almost there. Yeah, it's still going to be a long journey. No, we got four more months. What are you talking about? Can you count? <laughs> yeah, it'll be great when we get to May. It's February. Seems like just yesterday we were talking about Howard the Duck. That said, I'm certainly happy to have Hasselhoff behind me. I, I do feel like some of these real El Cheapo ones, we've done a lot. We've covered a lot of the, the series, really, with only Hulk and 
classic Avengers ahead of us and Spider-Man, of course, in the summer. We've covered most of the Marvel Universe. I'm starting to feel like a little bit of an expert. I feel like I know my Doctor Strange from my Daredevil. Well, next week we will deal with the spirit of vengeance. And until then, now playing podcast hosts, disassemble. Well, you watch your step, Fury. I had your pink slip before and I can do it again. The world's changed since you ran off to the wilds. Your particular brand of vigilanteism isn't going to cut it anymore. Put out that cigar! Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's The Avengers. Some assembly required. Not bad. You've got talent. It's what I had in mind for maybe the rest of my life. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film featuring a Marvel Comics adventure. I can't force you to do this, but if you choose it of your own free will, then come to my house. All the way through a weekend of release review of The Avengers this May. Let's see world trembles this night. Our work has just begun. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Marvel movie films with other listeners. What's in it for me? You get to live a little longer. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics films, such as Blade, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four, as well as non-comic book-based series, including Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, Philip K. Dick, Tron, and many more. I have things to show you, powers beyond your comprehension. We also have individual movie reviews of films like Green Lantern, Avatar, Cowboys and Aliens, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Ours not to reason why, ours but to do it. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. From this moment on, I want to know about every idea that you guys entertain from the moment it pops into your head. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. I see this part of our debt to the community. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Even if you get the money, you're still going to release the virus, aren't you? You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. Appreciate the vote of confidence, people. Expect a little something extra in your Christmas stockings this year. Now Playing's Avengers, Some Assembly Required retrospective series is edited by Arnie. No general expects to win every battle. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Quite a mouthful when you try and wrap your tongue around it. Now playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises. The Marvel characters and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated, and no infringement is intended. Jam Captain America down their throats, and at the same time protect yourself. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now relax, kid. I'm just blowing smoke up your hoo Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. Get it? Got it. Good. Got you on a rebound. Don't you dare cut me off, you comic book coward! Doctor Strange, starring... 
Peter Hooten. Clyde. There's no Clyde. Oh, Clyde. Ooh. <laughs> Kusatsu. Kusatsu. Directed by Philip de Decare. When Linda, what's it? Linmer? Linmer. It's Merlin. Just think of okay. Merlin backwards. Okay. Yeah, that's easy to remember. Okay. <laughs> and done before midnight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I cannot yeah. tell you how happy that makes me.